I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 21 as we continue in our series in the book of Exodus, Free at Last. We're going to look at verses 28 through the end of the chapter. Listen to the word of the Lord. When an ox gores a man or woman to death, the ox shall be stoned and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall not be liable. But if the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past and its owner has been warned but has not kept it in and it kills a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned and its owner shall be put to death. If a ransom is imposed on him, then he shall give for the redemption of his life whatever is imposed on him. If it gores a man's son or daughter, he shall be dealt with according to this same rule. If the ox gores a slave, male or female, the owner shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. When a man opens a pit, or when a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make uh, restoration, shall give money to its owner, and the dead beast shall be his. When one man's ox butts another so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox, share its price, and the dead beasts also they shall share. Or if it is known that the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past, and its owner has not kept it in, he shall repay ox for ox, and the dead beast shall be his. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that as we all now sit under the authority of your word, that you would By the power of your spirit, through your word, do that work in us, conforming us into the image of your Son and our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. It was an all-you-can-eat buffet at the bank. An army of termites munched through 10 million rupees, $222,000 in currency notes stored in a steel chest at a bank uh, in Barabanki, a town 20 miles southwest of Lucknow, the Uttar Pradesh state capital said police in northern India. The bank manager discovered the damage when he opened the reinforced room in an old bank building. A police officer, uh, a police officer told the Associated Press it's a matter of investigation how termites attack bundles of currency notes stacked in a steel chest. The money was put in the chest in January 2011. In the past, termites had damaged bank furniture and documents, so the police have registered a case of negligence against the bank officials. Whether or not uh, the bank officials in this story were actually guilty of negligence or not would have to be proven, but the point of the story that I want to drive home is how much damage can be done in situations where negligence is the cause. And given that termites in this story had damaged property in the past, the possibility of negligence in the above-mentioned case was high. Brothers and sisters, God cares about issues of negligence. He cares because the impact of negligence on the lives of others. When a person gets behind a vehicle drunk, when guns are left unattended around vulnerable people, when corporations take 
the cheap route towards securing dangerous chemicals when dangerous pets are not properly secured, when organizations don't properly vet those in leadership over others, in these and a multitude of other cases where the care of others is not the focal point, we create the potential for harm to be done to others. But the heart of God's kingdom community, His church, is care. A care rooted in love for one another. Love which considers the interests of others above our own. Negligence, which results in injury to others or loss to another's livelihood or damage to another's well-being, is the opposite, obviously, of what builds care. And when these, uh, uh, while these laws envision specific scenarios of potential neglect, they speak generally to our call as citizens of God's kingdom to be a people who show a genuine commitment to guard against causing harm to others through neglect of our duties and responsibilities that God calls us to in relationship with our brothers and sisters and our neighbors. And when we do fail in this regard, we are to be a people who commit ourselves to reversing where we can whatever damage our neglect has produced. In Christ, we are now those who can be instructed toward the same attitude and behavior that Paul encouraged in the Philippians when he says, do not do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but a humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. It is this instruction given to us as God's people in the new covenant that was conveyed long ago to God's people of old. Looking to one's own interests would certainly be a cause of neglect in our relationship to other people. And those called to be salt and light in the world, looking to the interests of others, it's to be the norm in everything we do. Amen, people of God. So what do we learn then in these laws in this regard? Well, one of the things we learn is the importance of accepting responsibility. Accepting responsibility. In each of these scenarios, there's a call for the one whose negligence has led to another's loss, whether of property or life, to bear responsibility for that loss. Even if the negligence was not intentional, the person is still to bear some responsibility, responsibility of some kind, uh, for the loss that others incur. Uh, because the ox belonged to him, because it was his property, he is responsible at some level for its actions. This call to accept responsibility is rooted both in our calling to steward the things God gives to us and in our calling to care well for others, for those around us. Thus, in accepting responsibility for negligence, even if unattended, we show faithfulness to God who gives us everything and faithfulness to our neighbor whom we are called by God to love. Accepting responsibility then, when something I am called to steward results in someone else's loss, is not simply about fault, but about faithfulness. It's not simply about fault, but about faithfulness. In this way, 
the owner of the ox or the owner of the pit doesn't try and find a way to get out of bearing responsibility, but instead, with the help of the judges, seeks to determine what level of responsibility he or she needs to bear. As Christians, our disposition shouldn't be to see if we can get out of bearing responsibility when we have failed, but rather to determine what responsibility looks like, what faithfulness to God and to our neighbor should look like when we fail. And this is born out of the positive desire to be faithful, not just to bear faults. Amen, people of God. Even where forgiveness is extended and our failures in this regard, repentance demonstrates that we understand God's call to us to be faithful to Him and to our neighbor. Indeed, our repentance creates the space for forgiveness to be extended and for healing to flow into our lives and into the lives of others. If negligence then is bound up with faithfulness to God and neighbor, then bearing responsibility for our negligence can be a way that we demonstrate our commitment to that faithfulness. By taking responsibility for our own negligent actions, we show or we can show others that we care about the responsibility that God has given to us to care not only about our own interests, but to care about the interests of others. While these rules cover concrete forms of negligence that have to do with managing our property well so that it does not harm someone else, we can also be negligent in broader ways, such as our speech, not guarding our tongues from corrupt or corrupting speech that damages others. In general, whether individually or corporately, we are to be a people who take responsibility for the damage done to others when we have been negligent. We are to own our failure, confessing it, dealing with it, versus trying to find ways to cover ourselves. And so, the call for us is to examine our own life. Have you been negligent? Have you done something that has damaged others as a result? And I would encourage you to be faithful to God, to that person your negligence has damaged, and repent. Don't blame, don't excuse, don't cover, repent. And trust that the Lord will enable you to walk faithfully step by step, leading you toward the next action we see represented in these rules. And it's this, not only a commitment to bearing responsibility, but to restoration. Since negligence, intentional or unintentional, damages other people's lives, God called His people to a commitment to restoration. There's a lot in the Scriptures about restoration and repair. One of the passages describing God's people in terms of this activity is Isaiah 61. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up former devastations. They shall repair ruined cities, the devastations of generations. Israel's sin had led to years of devastation in the land, yet God promised this in this passage to make them repairers of ruined cities, cities ruined by their own sin. Since negligence can result from our own sin, as these laws clearly imply, a commitment to repair what our sinful negligence has damaged is fully in keeping with our calling as citizens of the kingdom of God. We restore and repair because that is who we are now under the leadership of our King and our God. And so, in this text, when a person 
whose ox harms someone or whose pit harms someone's animal or whose animal harms another animal is called to actually restore what was lost in cases where the loss was a result of their negligence. He or she is called to work to make it right. Can you imagine what would happen in any community where the fundamental impulse was to make right what our negligent actions damaged? Where people didn't make excuses, but rather committed themselves to setting things right where possible. I'm not suggesting in a broken world that everything can be made exactly as it was, but if that was the bent in our relationships with each other, what would happen if individuals and corporations and organizations committed themselves to making that the primary impulse, to try to make right what we had broken? That's what it means to be God's people in this regard. And here's the thing, brothers and sisters, this should actually be our impulse as the church. And what more, this should be our impulse even when the negligence is not our own. This is what it means to be generous, to be committed to repairing damage that our own hands are not responsible for. (laughs) The foundation of that kind of generosity is the Lord Himself who restored us to God and to each other, even though it it was not His sinful negligence that led to our separation from God, but our own. Reparation costs. Restoring something your negligence has damaged costs. The cost in these rules is mostly monetary, except in cases where a human being is killed due to gross negligence of the other person. In such cases, the cost could have been the guilty party's life. And as I said a couple sermons ago, the point isn't for us today that we should take a life for a life. Rather, it is to impress upon us the very real cost of repairing what our actions have damaged. Now, glory be to God that the ultimate cost for our sins was not borne by us, but it was borne by Jesus on the cross. Praise the Lord Jesus that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. And praise God. But this freedom from condemnation, this forgiveness is not simply about getting off the hook for our failures, but about the empowerment we now receive from the Spirit of God to walk in newness of life to walk in a life of restoring where we can the damage that our sin has done to others. And where others have freed me through their forgiveness, I am still called to the new way of speaking and and living that moves away from negligence toward care. What do you need to repair that your negligence has damaged? Some of you need to do some individual relational repair. Perhaps you haven't repented for your negligent speech or actions or sought where you can to restore the thing that your negligence damaged. Yield to the Spirit. Take that necessary step towards healing what you have broken. Some of us need to do this on a corporate level for something we've said or did or left undone, which has caused harm to others. 
May the Lord lead us in being a people who restore what we have broken. Bearing responsibility, committing to repair, allowing for redemption. Allowing for redemption. There's one section in these laws um, that we didn't find in the earlier ones, but whose principle, I believe, is implied in the others. And it's found um, in verse 30. In verse 30, we read, if a ransom is imposed, I mean, this is in the case where someone's ox has been known to gore in the past and the person has not dealt with it. Verse 30 says, if a ransom is imposed on him, then he shall give the redemption of his life, give for the redemption of his life whatever is imposed on him. In other words, God provided a means in these laws for a person to essentially buy back their life, even in cases where the negligence was gross negligence. That is, God provided a means of redemption. And this principle, of course, should not catch us off guard because God is a redeemer. Israel's own history, her recent history, in fact, in terms of this narrative pointed to that truth. I want to remind you of something that God said to Israel when He was rescuing her from slavery in Egypt. He said this in Exodus 6, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And there's a God then who redeems. The Lord wanted His people to be a people committed to the redemption of others. We have to be careful, people of God, for sometimes we want people to pay for their sins, not so much as a matter of justice, of setting things right in the lives of those who sin and are sinned against, but rather as a matter of condemnation rooted in our anger. There's a judgment for those who refuse to repent and turn from their sin, but that judgment will come from the Lord Himself. Our call is to be a people who keep open the way of redemption for sinners. And we keep open that way of redemption because we ourselves are a people who have been redeemed. Our lives were bought back with a price, a price more precious than silver, a price more precious than gold, a price more precious than rubies and fine jewels. Our lives were bought back by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He died to buy back not just a sinfully negligent people, but a sinfully rebellious people. That the tes- that's the testimony of the Bible. And it did not, He did not do it grudgingly, but joyfully. For the Scriptures declared that He, for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. Yes, people's negligence is going to cause damage, damage that should be owned by the one who did the damage and damage that should be repaired by the one who does the damage. Yet for that one, there must always be a way of redemption, a way of forgiveness, and a way of restoration. Amen, people of God. And so the call here is to be a people who long for and work for the redemption of others. No, I'm not talking about their ultimate redemption, for that comes from Christ alone, but I'm talking about their redemption back into community, 
Negligence does damage, and failure to repair that damage breaks fellowship and trust and damages the community. Yet sometimes in our anger, we can want people who have done damage out of the community forever. But that's not God. I'm reminded of the apostle's words to a community where a believer had been thrown out because of his actions, and rightly so. But upon his repentance, Paul encouraged, for such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough, so you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. New City, let's be known. Let's be known for our love for one another. Let's be known for a people who long to see other people restored. Let's be a people who long to see other people redeemed. Let's be a people who long to see other people brought back. Amen. The God, that God provided a way for a person to redeem their life, even in serious cases of negligence, shows this desire. And so let us be wise and discerning in matters of sin, but let us be full of forgiveness and love in seeing people restored, in seeing people redeemed. Amen, people of God. What then keeps us from negligence? It's a commitment to care for those around us, to look to the interests of others, not just our own. It's the foundation of our own salvation that Jesus looked not only to his own interests, but to ours. That's why you're saved this morning. That's why you're sitting here redeemed. That's why you get to sing and shout. That's why you get to call God Father. That's why you get to pray to God. That's why you get to know that he's going to provide for you when you're in need, because Jesus looked not to his interests, but yours. Amen, people of God. So let this be our attitude and our behavior relationship to each other and our neighbors. In so doing, we will be a light to the nations around us of the glory of God's kingdom as we demonstrate in all of our thinking, speaking, and acting a care for others. Amen, people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do pray now in the name of Jesus as we have reflected for just a few moments on these words in Exodus 21. We do pray that you would make us a people who are full of care for others, who are full of an attitude and heart of looking to the interests of others and not just our own. This is what we see in you, Lord Jesus, you who gave your life that we might be set free. You redeemed us. You set us free from sin and death. You rescued us. And so now we are set free and saved. I pray now for your people that we would be a people who love each other well, who are not negligent in our care for each other or our neighbors. May this be our attitude in everything that we do, we pray, and ask this in Jesus' mighty name.